I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 183 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. What a start of the season. Uh, we were all looking forward to it. We, we spoke a couple of times over the last last uh, six or seven days or so, um, building up to the home game against Fulham. Everton come away with a 1-0 defeat in a game that we, we quite clearly bossed, to be honest with you. Better side, I think most most people would, would agree with that. Um, always frustrating to come away from Goodison Park when you, you have been a better side and had so many clear-cut chances and not get at least a point. That That's the that's the big thing to take from it. But peace, me and you were there, of course. Um we we had a, a long a long chat before the game with our uh, our pies as we as we always do. Um, obviously, team news filtered through. Obviously, we had Michael Keane got the nod over Jared Brantwaite. Neil Mopey started up front. Uh, no Dominic Calvert Lewin in, in the in the squad as well, which was also a, a bit of a blow. Um, how did you feel to, before we even go into the game? How did you feel that that news was taken when we were floating around the fan zone and and they announced the team? Well, I, I think firstly we we called it on the podcast last week, didn't we? In, in terms of what it would do to the fan base and and potentially also the the players, if if we weren't starting with, you know, what we might consider to be a you know an out and out number nine, you know, a, a striker that can allow us to play the way that, you know, Dice is intending Everton to set up and play, and you could almost feel it kind of filter through the fans um, as the team news came through and. Rightly or wrongly, uh, I, th- I think it was, you know, it was really unhelpful. But arguably, the the reaction is is justified. Is what you know, which we might come on to talk about. I mean, we were just discussing b- b- before recording that if we took some of the chances that 
with Stonewall that we should have put away yesterday. We may well be having a different conversation today, and it's it's easy to scrutinise decisions when arguably you, you lose a game on you know her line moments. But I I don't understand the the persistence with with Mopay in that role based on you know his performances under two different managers, and I, I think is. His return for for minutes and his return for starts when you've got say, you know, Lewis Dobbin who's fit and you know in form, scoring goals preseason. Maybe, maybe he's trying to protect the lad, but you know, focus on his development. But I think the probably the feeling of frustration was, do, you know, surely we've got better options than. Um, the Mope and I think those decisions inevitably come under immense scrutiny when you end up losing the game. And understandably so, of course. You know, we we do we would look back differently on the game if if we stuck one of our chances away or two of our chances away, of course. Um I've said it all the way through with, with Neil Mope um that I felt sorry for him coming in. Because we signed a player who was not a lone striker into a club that plays with a lone striker. He's half the size of what, what our strikers should be and what that Dominic Calvert, Calvert-Lewin is in particular. So he's not the profile for Everton uh, and the way that we played under Lampard, under Sean Dyche. So it was always a strange signing for me, which is not his fault. You know, if Brighton wanted to sell him, which they did, and Everton wanted to pay the money for him, which we did, then, you know... He's happy to come to another Premier League club, and and he thought himself obviously get some more game time. And I do, I do massively, and I have always felt sorry for him in that particular side of things. And when the team does come out, and you know we'd seen Dominic Calvert Lewin, who built up his minutes, and and he was saying this week, I'm I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And then the manager said after the the uh, the, the, the Sporting game, not sure if he's going to be in and around the squad for for the Fulham game, and we we're like, well. What's going on? Are you sure if you want to build up minutes as part of his rehab, even off the bench for sort of 15, 20 is going to be helpful. Didn't happen now. There's conflicting stories. Um, his partner may have had the had the baby this week at some point, potentially. Um, and also Sean Dice said after the match yesterday that he's now coming to the end of his rehab as of yesterday, if you like. So when it comes to Aston Villa next week, we should be seeing Dominic Calvert-Lewin in some way, shape or form. So it was always a little bit deflating when we had an expectation that maybe he would be in and around the squad, that maybe the manager would give, give Jared Branthwaite the nod over Michael Keane after seeing him uh, come on against Sporting. Um, and like I said last week, gives us that balance of it, having a left footer and a right footer in James Tarkovsky at the uh, at the back. Didn't happen. But first game of the season, you know, you, the, the enthusiasm um, and, and the... The, the enjoyment of being back inside Goodison Park, I don't think it was majorly, majorly hit, but obviously it was the kind of thing that that people do think about. And um, unfortunate, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for us, because we're finding ourselves in a similar situation that we did last season, where the same kind of shortcomings are still there. The biggest shortcoming being is we haven't, addressed the striker situation with the best will in the world of obviously Yusef Chimiti coming in over the last couple of days. We had the podcast obviously with, with Aaron um, discussing obviously the, the 
the profile of this kid. You know, he's 19 years of age. He's not going to come in and be starting week in, week out. He's going to need time to, to settle and adjust to English football. And, and, and he's a project. Um, but the shortcomings are, first game of the season, we haven't brought in a striker that we said we needed who can play in the same way Dominic Calvert-Lewin does when he's not fit. So that's what that's what we're what we what we're looking for, for for the last two years, and we and we haven't got it. Um, but onto the game, um, and it's it's got to be said, like I said at the start of the show, Everton were the better side. We started the game, I thought, particularly well the first five minutes or so, and, and the chances that we had, you know, Neil Mope, a great great effort with it inside the first couple of minutes. You know, we, he's quite wide, fires the ball across the keeper first time. Goes a couple of inches wide of the post, look lively, and you thought this is a, a sign of things to come. Then we have a great chance where there's an O'Nana plays the ball through to Abdullah Decore, and that for me that miss is, un- is unforgivable. One v one, all the time in the world on his strong side, and he literally rolls it to you know, and the keeper sees it with an out an outstretched foot, and that's the start of the game. You're obviously you think oh, Everton are on it today. Everton have got a, a real good chance. We started really well. But Lee, when you miss those kind of chances early, and we'll come on to the other chances shortly as well, it it creeps in. That doubt creeps in, doesn't it? Because we look at what we missed last season and the games that we threw away last season and games that we think that we should have won. And I felt when we missed those early chances, there was a little bit of a switch in the crowd. And you thought, oh, here we go again. I was about to say, not only does that translate uh, to the players, obviously it comes from the crowd mainly, doesn't it? Because obviously we all know then going, right, how many chances do we need here before we score the first goal? And we, we've said it, in the current guys we are right now, and I think we even called it, didn't we, that it was going to be a nil-nil or one-nil type of game. But then if you watch those first five minutes, I think I genuinely think if we'd have took one of those early chances, we probably would have gone on to win comfortably two or three-nil and it'd have been like, you know, a standard three-point home victory. And, you know, like you said, we started very, very bright. Um Dice, I think, is a big, a big advocate, isn't he? Especially at home of just trying to start fast, trying to get an early goal. Um, I forget which team it was against now. You guys have got a better memory of me. When when um, McNeil scored after about 30 seconds last season, didn't he? Brentford. Uh, the Brentford game. And then obviously that, you know, that instantly uh, transforms the, um, you know, the nature of the game from the off. And I just think the Decore one, I've watched it back and... and you know, it's a brilliant ball from Onana, like you said. His first touch is brilliant because that takes the defender out of the game straight away. Now he's one-on-one. And he can see James Garner to his right-hand side. You can see him. He's right there. Right. It's not as if he's in his blind spot. Do you know what I mean? He can see him right there. Now, I know it's a split-second decision. But I've said this a million times. Top players there, just literally instantly, whether it's outside of the foot, inside of the foot, just roll it to him. It's a tap-in. It's 1-0. And, you know, you are right. He should have scored still. But when you look at it, it's very good goalkeeping as well, isn't he? He's, he's done that sort of manoeuvre where you're, you're almost doing the semi-splits on you with your feet to you know, stop yourself being magged, number one, and also make yourself bigger. And it's a good save. And Bernd Leno, I mean, you know, you can criticise criticise him as a keeper, but he is very good. He's a good, very good shot stopper in that respect. He's got other weaknesses to his game, but he's a very good shot stopper. And he obviously showed that yesterday. Um but like you guys were alluding to then, I mean, you know, what preceded that for the next, you know, 43, 44 minutes was basically Everton, you know, particularly on the counter-attack, by the way, 
looking very, very dangerous. You know, when we were asked to build up and try and score, you know, when, when Fulham was set in a position, we, we weren't quite as threatening or anywhere near as threatening. But when we won the ball back off them and broke, you know, we were, we were, we were, we were creating so many clear-cut chances. And, you know, on reflection now, yesterday I was, I was, I was annoyed because I was just like, you know what, this was a winnable home game to get the season off on the right footing, like we said last week. We knew all, we all knew the second game away to Villa is going to be a really tough game. And I know they lost lost heavily against Newcastle, but if you watch that game, they gave as good as they got until until the uh, you know midway through the second half, if you like. But um then all of a sudden though, boys, you then you know going into a winnable home game again against Wolves, and then all of a sudden now it's 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 pressure, isn't it? It's pressure now going, you know. By not winning this game when we should have done, and we probably would have done eight or nine times out of ten, suddenly we're going into the Wolves game now, knowing full well, going right. Well, this is almost like a must-win game, and it's the third game of the season. You know, we don't, we certainly don't want to go potentially the first three games without any points. You know what I mean? So it, it that's what's frustrating. And Mike, you mentioned there about Calvert Lewin, and you know, Dice has this program, doesn't he, where everyone has to be sort of, you know, match fit or whatever he calls it, you know, his fitness program that he does pre-season. Dice said, fit, Dom, Dice fit is a different Dice level. Fit. Yeah, yeah. 110% so then, fit, you've got to be. Yeah. Well, and in fairness, at times yesterday, I did think we looked really fit and really fit and lean and, and, and we looked, you know, we looked, we did look a bit fitter than them, I thought, at times yesterday. But the point I was saying was, is that, um, and you just alluded to that, how is Dom supposed to build up his minutes if he's not even on the bench? You know, and he started against Sporting the other day. He gave us 45 minutes. I thought he looked fairly sharp. To be fair, considering he hasn't played many games, he scored the goal penalty, well taken. And I think that's, for me, yesterday, I would have been so inclined. I mean, worst case, have him on the bench, but I would have been so inclined just to give him even 45 there again or 60 tops. And look, and we all know with Dom, you know, we're talking about Dom here as if he's like, you know, Harry Kane in terms of his clinical finishing. He's not. We know he's not a clinical finisher. But he's obviously a much better finisher than Mope is. And and obviously he brings a different dimension to the game, as Pete was saying there, you know what I mean, in terms of what he offers as a number nine. But I just think that if Dom plays for the first 45 or 60, like I said before, I think I think we comfortably win that game. You know, and even 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 little Tom Cannon, who who's for me, you know, is probably one of the most natural finishers we've got at the club right now. You know, and, and he's shown, I mean, he's only a young lad, so he's got a lot of developing to do and he will go on loan. Looks like Preston before the end of the end of the window. But for me, he looks a real natural finisher. You know what I mean, a real natural finisher. And again, you know, when he brings Dan Jima on, you know, to play through the middle. I mean, Dan Jima, for me, I've only seen little bits of him, but from what I've seen already, he's going to be better operating off the left as a winger, isn't he? He's not, he's not going to be through the middle number nine. So no. him bringing him on there, playing him through the middle, I'd, I'd have played him, I'd have brought him on out wide and then even brought Tom Cannon on to play through the middle. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about Dan Zuma and I, I was a stoke when he, he played 45 and, and he started sensitively, but he always wanted to be left and, and he quite often would hang left. Did, did it once, I think, he, um, against, against Fulham yesterday where he, he went left played the ball and then stayed there, but it leaves a gaping hole in the middle. So naturally he's not he's just not a central striker. So that's what I'm saying. You know, if, if Calvert Loon was was is in the squad and you bring on Dan Zuma left and Dominic Calvert Loon up front, it gives a, that, that front line a whole different feel, doesn't it? 
Um, and that's why the, the confusion is how can Dom go from playing 45 minutes against Monza, 45 minutes against Sport and Lisbon, and then not be in the squad against Fulham. I mean, no, I know it's it's a difference in intensity, of course. It's it's a first game of the Premier League season. But you still you still must he still must have 10 or 15 minutes in, in his legs and and be okay. You know, Dan Zuma had a knock. He hasn't played much in pre-season. He missed the sporting game, but then was on the bench and came on and played 20 minutes yesterday. You know, we look at Tom, Tom Cannon has has had injuries over the last two weeks. He hasn't been in, in any of the any of the uh, the preseason squads, but then he was on the bench. So it does, and I understand that there's a caution around Dominic Calvert Lewin, and I'm sick of having the conversation about him. To be honest with you, because the reason that we do is because we haven't recruited correctly over the last two years, and we're still now after game one of the Premier League season after us saying we can't afford to throw games away, so therefore we've got to recruit correctly and before the first game of the season. We haven't done, and we're in that same situation. And that's why when you look at social media, especially, and, and the initial reaction to, to yesterday's game, and like you said, then, you know, if we go to Villa and lose that game, which is possible, of course, they're, they're a very good side. You then go home to Wolves and think, Jesus Christ, this this, this is a big game. The, the pressure's building. And we're in that mindset because we don't trust those behind the scenes. And this is not a goal at Kevin Thelwell. I mean, those above Kevin Thelwell to get the right players in. He's identifying players, it's quite clear. And he's identifying the right players with the names that are being leaked, the names that we've discussed ourselves. He is trying to get the right profile of player in. The strikers that are being linked, whether we like it or not, like the Che Adams, he, he's, the, he's, he's ideal in terms of that particular role. The likes of um, is it Beto Udinese, ideal to come in. And, and he can come in from the off in that particular role. Even in it to a lesser extent, Mikhail Antonio is is a bulldozing centre forward. He's a big lad. He's he's a big strong kid. He's muscular. Um, not a fantastic goal scorer in the last twelve months. But that that kind of player, they're looking at the right names as far as I'm concerned. And Ianacho, another one. Dakar, another one. Makes perfect sense. But we're not getting these deals done when they need to be done. And that's why the conversation around Calvert Lewin is happening every single week. Every single fan podcast, uh, fan channel, we hear the same conversations. And I, and I want to not have the conversation, to be honest, because the day that we don't is the day when he's fit and we've also got the relevant backup. And th- this this week coming coming, uh, coming up is massive. Either Dominic gets, gets back in the round of squad, which we hope that he will be, but also this other striker, it's got to be close to be coming in. It's, it's got to be done because we can't afford to, to keep on losing points. But I, I, just on that point quickly, I just don't want us to throw away points like we did last season, mate. In, in August, I just don't want us to do it. I just and we've had a kind start, one of the one of the best starts. You know, the first eight games, there's a lot of winnable games there. Luckily, I think we played five or six games before the end of the window last season. I think luckily there's only four league games. I think is it four, three, four, and a cup game. And I, I just don't want us to throw it away. You know, and yesterday, a lot of frustration in the fact that, you know, Fulham haven't, haven't really strengthened. But then on the same note, you know, they took their forward off in him and as their new signing, you know, it could be a cute bit of business because he's, he's, he's a number nine. And he was unlucky not to score himself in a way. One of the only other chances Fulham created, he hits the post. And, and, and 
you know, they, they bring on Mitrovic. I know Mitrovic is on the verge of potentially leaving, but that, that's the difference right there. They brought Andres Pereira on. Off the, you know, so those two came off the bench, you know, and then Deco Dover Reed, you know, all three of them had an impact in the game, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? And then, you know, what are we looking at? And then that, and I understand it's difficult to negotiate in the window. We we all know that because we haven't really got much cash up front. But you know that we've thrown we've thrown away three points there for me yesterday, and it's an ideal opportunity to, you know, get the fans pulling in the right direction. Because we know it's on a precipice, don't we? If we lose the first few games of the season, we all know we all know how how it's going to. Suddenly, the pressure is so ramped up that it it becomes almost unbearable, doesn't it? You know what I mean? It, it's it's already like you said because we just don't know. The last two seasons of show we've stayed up by the skin of our teeth. You know that's not a coincidence, is it? No, it's not. But let, I mean, let let let's go back to the game because you know we 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 say that we we've thrown three points away. Yeah, we have. And you can even look beyond recruitment for, for yesterday's game because it wasn't even so much not having brought in certain players. It's it's about the, the players who, who are playing, taking a responsibility and scoring goals when they're in positions to score goals. We mentioned the core, right? You know, in the first half alone, you look at the chances that, that Mope had. I thought one, the, the point-blank one, I'm a little bit more forgiven with because it's difficult. The keeper's a yard from you. So that's hard. The keeper's, you know, he's got the advantage there. But the one where he's played three for a, for a 1v1, he's got a score. You know, he's just got a score. And it's when we're missing those those kind of those kind of chances. But then when you throw into the mix, and I've got to come, come on to it, Pete, because at the time I was baffled sitting there yesterday. And when Bert Leno drops the ball after coming over his own defender, and drops it onto James Tarkovsky. It then rolls to Michael Keane, who then slots the ball on the back of the net. I, for the life of me, could not believe that that goal didn't stand. And since since you know we 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 got into the car and I've watched replays and 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 things like that. Even now, you can't convince me that that goal shouldn't have stood. No, definitely, and it it's it's just infuriating, isn't it? First game of the season, and already you're talking about a, a controversial disallowed goal against Everton. It's, you know, it, it it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. When I saw it in real time, I couldn't believe it had been disallowed because, you you know, you could see, by the way, that the keeper had come, um, he, Leno claimed the, claimed the ball. If you watch closely, the, the Fulham defender comes in between him and Tar- Tarkovsky first. So Tarkovsky isn't challenging for the ball. He's not obstructing the keeper. If anything, he's, he's got his arms pretty much down by his side and he's, sta- he's stationary. So how that's an infringement, I, I just I do not understand. And when I was in the stadium, I, I was I was aghast, thinking, why is it not gone to VAR? And I think you you pointed out that the referee may have blown before uh, before the ball had gone in. But then when I've been reading it post match, it seems like it, it it did go to VAR, and and VAR seemed seemed to agree with um, with there being an infringement. So I I don't know what's happened, but it, it, it's a catastrophe. It's it's absolutely it's absolutely bizarre because you know again we go one one nil up it completely changes the, the the face of the game and I agree with Lee I think if we would have got the first goal particularly in the first half based on our momentum I think we we would have gone on to win the game fairly comfortably um, but yeah I I just I just hope this isn't going to become a theme because you know in the podcast 
over the last two seasons, we've counted up these kind of nearly moments, haven't we? You know, games where either a terrible decision's been made that's gone against us and we've ended up not getting something from the match. Or, you know, and I suppose this equally applies to the game, doesn't it? Get You know, games where we've not quite taken our chances or when we've been on top, we've not made it count. And over the last two seasons, that they've become little patterns and themes that have put us in a terrible position. And of course, you don't want to catastrophize after the first game, but you just think you you, you hope this isn't a continuation of of that pattern. Um, I think the performance yesterday gives me enough confidence to hopefully it's not. But that that decision was just a complete mess, um, and it, you know it doesn't help our cause at all when we're looking to try and reset. Um, and break the pattern of the past two seasons, but I, you know, it, it, it's just it's just another one on the pile of, of disgusting refereeing decisions that have gone against Everton that will, will get almost zero media attention. Whereas, you know, if this happened to one of the Sky favourites, this clip would be, you know, replayed and and and, and shared in viral forums for the rest of the season. I think to back up your point on on chances and things like that as well, Pete and. and... You know, not taking them as well. It is 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 Mike Greenall put on something on Twitter this morning. Mike, you've probably seen it, Mike. Um, where and since Dice has come in, um, and I know this is obviously, and even Dice referred to XG the other day after the game, didn't he? But uh, since Dice has come in, our non-penalty XG created is twenty six point six. So basically, outside of pens, we should have scored twenty seven goals under him, and we've scored seventeen. So that's, you know, sometimes you overperform XG. Obviously, we're clearly underperforming XG here. So, you know, we're 10 goals shy of, of, of what we should, you know, in terms of should be creating. I mean, that's that tells you we're creating the chances since he's come in by the looks of it in a lot of games we have. And other than the Brighton game where we were clinical, we haven't scored enough goals. I mean, this, I saw a stat yesterday um, that um, other than the Palace game, we didn't score more than one goal at home all season. I mean, I mean that is my mind can't even comprehend that. Do you know what I mean? Everton, who have got a fantastic following at home, one of the most raucous grounds in the, in the country. You know, you know, think of the games we've had in not in the not too distant past with the size we've had and the goals we've scored. You know what I mean? And you know, we have, we only scored more than once at home against Palace. I mean, that is that well, is this this is why we keep on saying, don't we? You know, and we had the same conversation yesterday, me and Peace before the game. If we go one nil down, we don't win the game, and and the fans' mindset then sh- uh, shifts to if we get a point here, we're doing really well, you know. And this is where it's always, you know, it's such fine margins, and that's why if that Michael Michael Keane goal is allowed to stand, which it should be, and you go in a half time one nil, Everton win the game. I've got no doubt Everton win the game because I thought. Fulham, what do you have? Nine shots throughout the game. Bar the one where they, they hit the post, didn't they? Before they, they scored the goal, it wasn't long before they scored the goal. They didn't threaten for me. They, they had a lot of the ball and a lot of huffing and puffing. I thought Everton defended quite well, to be perfectly honest. I thought we did okay. After after the first sort of 15 minutes, when I thought we were a, little, a tiny bit open at times through midfield, but I thought we adjusted ourselves and, and, we, and we got ourselves into a position where we, we felt defensively strong and I never thought, I thought personally, even when it was nil-nil, before, just before they got their goal, I thought this is going to be nil-nil. I just thought we'll get a point here, it'd be nil-nil. But that's, that's the concern is that, you know, we haven't got the players then in the squad 
we haven't got that squad depth to when we do go one nil down to then go, it's okay. We've we've got this player, that player, that, that player who'll go and they go and scores a goal. And that's the big problem, isn't it? The fact that we haven't got looking at the bench yesterday, you had Dan Juma, you had Lewis Dobbin, you had Tom Cannon. They they're your, they're your attacking threats, aren't they? Effectively. Now, none of them, as things currently stand, have scored a goal for Everton. I think I'm right in, right in saying that. So straight away, you think, well, it's all well and good. By the way, Lewis Dobbin having a good pre-season, which he has. But he's a young kid. He's going to be loaned out again. It's no good that people putting the hopes on Lewis Dobbin coming on and making a difference because it's difficult. The Premier League is, is a really difficult league and he needs more time. Game time in a lower division, playing man's football over the course of nine months. That's what he needs. Tom Cannon's the same. Good season at Preston. Score goals, of course. He needs to go back to Preston or back somewhere else. Now, I know why we haven't let him go, because we haven't brought anyone else in in the last... Well, I know Timothy came in, but we haven't brought in another senior striker. But these players have got to be moved so they're, they're allowed to develop and then potentially come back and make a difference in 12 months' time, maybe a little bit longer. So that's what we had on the bench, and that's where the problem is. You know, we know the issues. The issues have been there for the last two years. And it hasn't yet been addressed. We haven't got the players in who can give us that squad depth and make us a better, a better, well-rounded side. And as Sean Dice keeps on saying, give us that balance, you know. But, but on that point, though, with Tom Cannon, if I'm Tom Cannon there and I'm sitting on the bench and I back myself, right? I back myself. I'm a forward. I had a good pre. I had, I had sorry. I had a good season last season at Preston at a decent level. Okay, it's not the Premier League, but it's a decent level of football. I scored goals. I'm sitting on the bench there thinking, looking at those chances that, you know, Mope, my, my counterpart's missing. I'm sitting there going, get me on that pitch. You know what I mean? If you bite yourself, you are, aren't you? You're sitting there going, get me on that pitch. I want to score here. I want to score here and win us this game. You know, and no doubt, he, you know, he, he will have that type of mindset. You don't get to his his stage in his career, you know, and, and get on the, on, the, on the cusp of being a Premier League player without having a good mindset. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and, I'm sitting there going, I, I would have buried that. I'd, I'd, I'd have buried that. You know, give, give me, give me, just get me on the pitch. Whether he says that to the, you know, he probably won't do because of his age and whatever to, to, to Sean Dyche. But I'd be sitting there going, how am I not getting on here? You know, we've got a striker on here right now who showed last season. I think what, how many goals did he get last season? One, one, one goal. You know, what I mean, in God knows how many minutes last season. Now we we don't play to his strengths, like you said, but I'm sitting there going. Get just get get me on and I, and and that you know you talk about the second half. Obviously, we weren't as good in the first half, uh, in the second half as we were in the first. But like you said, we pretty much had full of our arms length, didn't we? Really, most of the game. And then you know the chances we had, we, you know the Patterson one, you know in particular. You're just sitting there going, "How is he laced that?" We spoke after the game, and I, I spoke to you guys. You were coming back um, from the game, and, and you know. Every single all day of the week, there you just side foot that in, and it's a goal. And for some reason, he's, he's, he feels he needs to absolutely lash it with his lace. As soon as you lash it with your laces, anything can happen. You can slice across the ball. You know, you can do what he did, which is basically semi sky it into the crossbar. You know, he side foots that. He keeps it down. He gets his body over it, and, he, and it's a goal. Leno's on the floor. If you know, as good as game as Leno had, you know, it was a bad save, wasn't it? Because he pushes it back out into an area. You know, it wasn't really the best shot in the world from a Wobi either. He didn't really get old of him. He's trying to put it in the far corner. 
and it's it's a tapping. And I know that like, he's a right back, yeah. Understand that he's not on his side for for goals. He hasn't really his goal scoring record's not great. But you know, you've got to score, haven't you? You you've, you've got to score there. I mean that that of all the chances we had, of which there were some really you know top chances in that game or big chances as they call them now, he he's got to score that himself. He's got to score, and he knew it himself. I think he knew it himself straight away. You know, he couldn't believe he did a crossbar from that from that position, could he? He was almost celebrating because I was I was right in line with him in the in the paddock, and he'd almost turned away thinking it's in, you know, and then realised obviously I've hit the bar. But you know that is I said that on Twitter last night and sorry X as it's now called who want to give it the right name, um, and if you you know you can't just lay all the blame at Neil Mopey's door because he missed a few chances. Yes, he missed chances. He should have scored. There's no denying that. There's, there's, I'm not getting away from the fact that he should have scored at least one goal yesterday, and I'm not. But then the Corey was was just as culpable because he had a clear cut chance. People seem to want to give him a free pass because he scored the goal against Bournemouth last season. Doesn't matter to me. We're in a new season now. You're going through one one v one. Like you say, the options are score or lay the ball to James Garner and he scores. It's unforgivable. We should have scored a goal. And the passes on one is, is no difference. I know he's a young kid. I know he's a right back. He's in that position. I would have scored it, and I'm left footed. I would have scored it with my right foot. I'm not even messing. I would have scored it. You know. You could have even taken a touch and scored it, to be honest. But players have got to collectively have got to take a responsibility to win a game of football. You know, who's going to take the, uh, the the game by the scruff of the neck and go and try and get a goal for Everton? If you're going to put yourself in that position as a right back or as the core he did, then take your chance because it, it, it weren't difficult. It, it wasn't, you know, at, at bad angles or it, you know, it, come, it, it came came to uh, Patterson at a decent pace, but. Professional footballers, you've got to score a goal. So they're all as culpable for not winning that game yesterday. We should have won. We created 19 chances. We created some clear-cut chances. For those, I know Sean Dice is not a big fan of XG. He said it himself. We we do use it, he says, as a bit of a measuring stick, but not the be-all and end-all. But our XG was nearly three for the whole game. That's a big XG. That I think it was the biggest since um, the 22-23 season of any side to not score a goal. So it's a it's a bit, you know, there's some big chances being created there. But they're all to blame because it, they were yeah, spread throughout, yeah. throughout the team. You know, that that's how it was. But it's not all negativity. Fulham full, full, full won a few games. Sorry, Mike. Fulham won a few games like last season, didn't they? Yeah. Where they, exactly. where they got hammered. They got hammered by teams, um, by, you know, and, and somehow managed to win 1-0. Um, and then in the end, you know, you'd say that type of luck in the end ran out for them and they sort of, you know, I wouldn't say they capitulated, but they fell off, didn't they? They were in top six at one point and then they fell off towards the end of the season. Because there's only so many times you can play those type of games and and, and win, you know what I mean? And, and nick a 1-0. Marco Silva, obviously, you've got an affiliation with him slightly because he played, you know, he managed he managed our team. But he'll know more than anyone getting on that team bus last night. Silva will know, literally going, we got away with one there, lads. We got away with one there. Three points, you know, away at Goodison Park, first game of the season. We will take that. Thank you very much. Because, you know, they would have taken a point definitely as well halfway through the halfway through the second half, wouldn't they? But on that point, before we finish, I mean, obviously we, we want to take some positives from it as well. But I mean, you, you guys were there the game. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. But the goal, who's at fault for the goal there, do you think? Because how is a player two yards out from goal got no one near him? You know what I mean? I... I, I it's bonkers. I mean, obviously, Patterson's been dragged into the middle. 
There's Michael Keane gone walking. Tarkovsky's attracted to the ball. Keane and Garner seem to be in the same sort of, you know, the same sort of realm trying to block Mitrovic, I imagine. So, I mean, how do you even dissect that? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I think it's a combination, isn't it? You know, the, the ball the ball has come down um, our left-hand side there, right? Players are being pulled over. Michael Keane's gone over. He's gone to the ball. So the, the player who played at three for, for Pereira, he's gone to the ball. Tarkovsky's also over there. Patterson's then gone with Pereira, hasn't he, from, from memory. So then what's happened is they could overread it, is at the back post. James Garner's realised too late. He, as he's turned and thought, oh, hang on, I should be covering him. He's, two, he's 10 yards behind him. That's the problem. They, they all went all over the place. It was poor defending. And it was literally moments after Dan Juma walked on the pitch. You know what I mean? But I'm not sure that that had anything to do with it. But at a time when the manager makes the change to go, right, let's get Neil Mopi off. Let's bring on Dan Juma. Let's, let's try and win the game. What can we do with, obviously, a, a fresh pair of legs on? A player who's obviously eager to try and prove something as well. And we go and concede straight away. So it was a com- it was poor defending for me. You know, we should never have a player at the back post who's that wide open, you know, with a ball just basically gets scuffed across the goal because it did, and then and he sticks it in. Um, but it's not all not all doom and gloom, that's for sure. Um, we, we've got to we've got to just take. There are positives from it, and those positives are we lost the game. We should have won the game. On another day, we do win the game. And the next the next few weeks in this in the, the final part of the transfer window are absolutely vital to Everton's chances of being more competitive and having a more a more comfortable season. Uh, but let's let's finish off the Fulham game there. Um, obviously, we we go away to Aston Villa next weekend, next Sunday, two o'clock. I think it's live on Sky. Um, they lost five one to obviously a strong Newcastle side yesterday. So we're going to discuss that after this short break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Saints podcast. And like we said before the break, next game, next Sunday at Villa Park, always historically a difficult place to go, especially for Everton, that's for sure. Had a couple of, of good wins over the years there, but recently uh, it has been a, a tricky place for us to go. I think we went there, was it, was it second game last season when Onana made his debut and we got beat, was it 3-1? He used to set up the own goal, didn't he, by, by Luca Dean. So... Similar time of the season again, uh, we we go there and like I said, lost lost by five goals to one. So obviously a strong Newcastle side who obviously are in in a great great bit of form. You know carried forward from last season, got Champions League football, um, have, have recruited fairly well. 
But I thought it was going to be a really evenly matched game yesterday. And and to be fair, for the first the first half or so, it, it was, you know, some early goals scored in the, inside the first 15 minutes. I think it was 2-1 at that particular point. But once Newcastle got the third goal, the obviously Tyrone Mings went off injured as well with a bad injury. Um, Villa sort of capitulated a little bit then, I thought, which was was a little bit... A little bit unlike them, and I didn't, I didn't really see. It. Obviously, Emery, since he's come in there, has done some fantastic work. Got them European football when when they were fighting at the bottom of the table with us, you know, at the, at the time that he came in. Um, but but I, th- I think we can sort of put that down as an anomaly because I saw a bit of, of Villa in pre-season in that uh, the Premier League summer series over in in the states, and they they, they certainly carry a real real attack and threat and. Looking at the likes of that that new new signing Diaby, obviously we know about about Leon Bailey, Ollie Watkins, those three alone will cause Everton, and I've got I've got all the ingredients cause Everton some some serious problems next weekend. That's for sure. But Pete, what's your take on Aston Villa? Uh, were you as surprised as I was yesterday seeing them fall to, to that kind of defeat? You know, as I say, two pretty evenly matched sides. I thought before the game kicked off, but they they, they shifted a fair few goals yesterday. That's for sure. I expected it to be goals galore. I didn't expect it to um, to, to to be five one because uh, I think, as you say, they they played they played pre season, didn't they? And I think that was that game three three. It was three all over in the states. That's right. They played each other. Yeah. So I, I mean, I no, I was expecting to repeat the same scoreline, but I was expecting a similar type of game. But I think what uh, what completely changed the matches was them losing Tyrone Mings, and although they could. Bring on a quality replacement. It seemed to really affect their game, and Newcastle just tore them to shreds. I think Villa was slightly fortunate. It was five-one because in the second half, Newcastle just had free reign, and it was chance after chance. And if anything, they were, I think they were probably slightly slightly wasteful. Um, says me, an Everton fan, after yesterday. Um, but I, I, I think I think you're right. I think we we've got to take the match with a massive pin, pinch of salt because. Obviously, it'd be a completely different proposition when we play them, but they're going to be looking for a big response to that. You know, Villa will be um, really, really hurt by that, and I, I, I just hope it it doesn't go against us. I think if anything, it would have been better for us for for Villa to win five one yesterday. Um, I think it will be a really, really tough game. Uh, my hope is that we might be a little bit more bolstered by uh, having at least one key player back back available for that game which will hopefully give us a you know really big lift and enable enable us to play very differently but i think villa are an absolute force and it it's it's quite bitter to um to witness really because they were in a very similar position to us obviously they've been able to bring in emery arguably they already had a very talented squad when gerard was manager um and it it just you know clearly wasn't the the right job for uh for Gerard because he couldn't get a tune out of a very very good group of players um and, and Emery has come in and shown how to do that and then on top of that they've continued to recruit really well um and it, it's it's not nice as an Evertonian to to see them kind of climb up and and be pushing for Europe again because obviously that's where we all feel we should be um and where we were really what feels like five minutes ago um the last two three years have have just been a bit of an unreal blur that we're we're trying to scramble out of, um, 
but they look like a real quality side. You know, they, they've got balance, they've got footballers. Uh, and I, I just think Ollie Watkins is is fantastic. I think he's a really underrated striker who just seems to continue to, to keep getting better and better. And I think now he's he will have better service this season. He, he could be a real force to be reckoned with. Yeah, so totally agree, and that's why I do I do put yesterday down uh, as an anomaly with Villa. You know, you look at look at the changes that they made. Obviously, we mentioned Tyrone Mings went off injured, who's been I think a bit of a, a revelation under under Emery, and the Villa fans have been really impressed with his his return to form because he struggled. You know, he, he went through a bad patch, Mings, and I'm I'm not his biggest fan, but I think he, he has massively improved on, under Emery. So it's a big loss for for them, but then. They bring on Pau Torres, who they just signed for, from Villarreal for, for big, big money. Um, they bring on the likes of Coutinho. He, he obviously he comes on. Um, and, you know, you look at their bench compared to ours, and this is why I keep on going back to this and us not having any kind of squad depth. The changes that they can make. Tillemans comes on for Bailey. You know, I say, mentioned Pau Torres, mentioned Coutinho, Diego Carlos comes on. They've got such a strong, a strong bench as well that... Everton have got to really, for me, got to really bring our A game. All you can see at the moment is potentially a repeat of what we saw there last season, you know, and, and we don't want to be, like we said earlier on in the show, going there, difficult place, quite feasibly, we could lose our first two games of the season when we were looking with a little bit, you know, of positivity before the season kicked off yesterday, thinking, well, you know, from these, from these first maybe three or four games, Six points, you know, we could, could, could quite easily get six points. You lose your first two games to then get six points, you've got to go and win your next two. Uh, and the pressure, you know, although it's only early, but given the history we've had in, in recent times, the pressure then potentially can, can start to build. But Lee, what are your thoughts on Villa in terms of obviously what you saw yesterday? What what you saw the back end of last season, probably more importantly, is, is a better measuring stick and, and the recruitment that they've done in the summer as well. They look to have really improved what was already a really talented squad. Yeah, I think you two have summed it up very well there. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of Unai Emery. Um, Emery, how we, how we want to pronounce it. I don't think he was given a fair crack at Arsenal. He showed his pedigree, um, you know, particularly the likes of Villarreal and Sevilla, you know, particularly in the Europa League as well, isn't it? His record is unbelievable. Um, I, I think he's up there in terms of just below top-level coaches. You know, if you class it, you know, the likes of, you know, Carlo and others at the very top. He, he's certainly, you know, in the sort of, I'd say, alongside Ten Hag and a few others in the level, but a level just below. Um, and, you know, he showed how good he was coming in midway through a season. Villa were really floundering in the league, as Pete said then. And then, you know, he, he's, he's got them into a European position, which is incredible. Um, I mean, let's not get away from the fact Villa, you know, their net spend has been, I think, over 300 million, isn't it, last five years? So they, they've spent a lot of money and they've spent a lot of money again this window and strengthened well. I mean, Diaby, we've been linked with him in the past. I mean, you know, um, I know Baz from Toffee TV is like an absolute, you know, fanboy of him. But it's, I mean, you can see already in just little snippets of pre season, even yesterday, he got a goal. He's dangerous and he, he's very dangerous on the, him and Watkins on the counter, both rapid. They're going to cause a lot of problems this season. And to be fair, as Pete was suggested yesterday, I'd ignore that Newcastle game. If you watch the first half, two very evenly matched sides. You know, I know they went in 2-1 down. But, um, you know, second half, I think the Mings injury, as Pete alluded to there, really did affect them. Pau Torres came on, who's a real, obviously, Emre knows him from his time at Villarreal. 
really top centre half. He came on, um, you know, and in a difficult circumstance, really, away at Newcastle, you're 2 1 down. And then second half, they sort of lost their way a little bit. And then Newcastle, you know, got ahead of steam. And, you know, Newcastle had nine shots on target in the second half alone. You know, I mean, we think we obviously created a lot yesterday. We had nine overall on target, you know, from, from that. So Newcastle, to be fair, you know, second half especially absolutely ran away with it. But I, I wouldn't look too much into that. Villa, first home game of the season in front of their fans. You know what I mean? Villa Park, like you said, on Sky. So our record there in, in recent times hasn't been great, has it? You know what I mean? And, and it's it's a very tricky fixture. Um, you know, in a in a sort of sea of decent fixtures to start with, that is probably the hardest one we've got, isn't it? Villa away. So, it, it, like I said before, it, it's just all the more frustrating that we've not got anything out of this game yesterday because then it just cranks up the pressure. And look, we could go to Villa Park and get a point. You know, I mean, we can go there and win. Of course, we can. But let's be honest; it's going to be a tough ask. It is, and and obviously, given the fact that we didn't pick anything up in yesterday's game, it, it becomes, you know, there's not loads of importance placed on the game. Of course, we know it's a difficult place to go. We know Everton are not expected to probably go there and get anything from the game. But you just feel that, as a savior, start a season with with two defeats. The pressure does start to build because you don't want to. The, the last thing we want as fans, and the last things I'm sure the player players and the manager wants is, is to be involved in another relegation battle. And you've got to start as you mean to go on, you know. And you don't want already looking looking at other sides. The likes of obviously Sheffield United got beat, Luton got beat, um, Forest got beat. Those kinds of sides, and we're already, already looking at you know with them and, and seeing how, how they're getting on. Um, so we, we've got to we've got to go there. And, and take the positives that we that we got. You know, we, we there was plenty of positives against Fulham. We can't deny it. It's frustrating. It was a very frustrating game to not come away with anything at all when we deserve to win the game. But that's down to the to the, to the clear clear cut chances that we that we missed. But as a side, they got to look at that and think. You know, to be fair, James Tarkovsky came out after the game and said, "Listen, I thought I thought we played well. That we did that. We did we did so many so many good things. Obviously, the goal was disallowed as well, which he discussed. But you know, you don't take your chances. You don't win a game of football, and it, it, it's it sounds really, really simple, but we created those chances. So it's important now to get the right players in and the right players back from injury, so they can contribute. Because I have no doubt that yesterday, of those five chances, that the five sort of clear cut, there was there was three uh, sorts of for Mope, um, the Corian and Patterson. I think Dominic Cavalier probably sticks two of them away, to be honest, out of those five. So, and you'd find you'd find him centrally, and you'd find him in and around those, those positions. So, I think if we can get him back fit, if we can get a couple of players in, I think our you know our season will start to look a little bit more rosier. Um, you know, the, the links are still there for the likes of Willie Nonso. Obviously, he seems to have gone on, on a bit of a strike um, as of as of a couple of days ago. Leeds are saying he's not for sale. Let's see what happens there. Jack Harrison's another one where the links have been there all the way through. Do we revisit that potentially? Suleiman, Southampton, another one. Beto with Udinese. You know, there was there was links again this morning to him. You know, let's let's get these players in. If we can do it, let, let let's do it. You know, Damari Gray. We haven't mentioned them. Um, looks like Fulham signed Adam Sayori yesterday after the game. Looks like any deal for for Gray to Fulham probably won't happen. So probably Palace. 
uh, are like a destination for him. Get the deals done. Get the money in. Let's 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 reinvest. Let's let's make us a, a, a better side. And we know our shortcomings are an attack. You know we're creating chances. Got Dwight McNeil to come back in as well. Who who let's face it was probably our, our best player in the second half of the season. So a lot of things to hold on to, and, and, and a lot of positivity to take. But difficult place to go against a side who. Okay, confidence might be slightly dented by by the defeat yesterday, but a side who I'm, I'm sure will be full of confidence because of the quality that they've got there and the fact that where they went from last season and where they got to was it was an incredible achievement, I thought. Um, so yeah, very very sort of weary going there. Um, but Everton, it's important that we we pull on to to the positives from yesterday's game and not dwell on the fact that we we did miss chances to to, to win the game. Um, but let's see, let's see what this uh, what this week brings. Now I banned predictions last week, didn't I? Because I said that they're having a negative impact on Everton in some kind of parallel universe. But since we got beat, let's just uh, let's just bring it back. Now you <laughs> now you can you can say win, lose, or draw without even giving me a score a score prediction. But Peter, what what are you thinking, Villa Park? What what, what are your hopes? Okay, well, can, can I give you a score prediction? You can go on. I'm gonna do it. I, I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'm gonna be positive. I'm. I'm gonna say one-one. I, I think if, if if we if Calvert Lewin's available, I'm gonna say we we get something out of the game. I like the positivity piece. I've got to be honest with you, Lee. You want to go along the same lines? I love how you bring it back after one week absence. You said it's <laughs> not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I know. Um, I was just, I just trying to change the universe, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Comical in a way. I've just seen by the way, a tweet before from Paddy saying that he asked Dice why Calvert Lewin wasn't playing. Uh, I wasn't even on the bench, and he said uh, he's not at the end of his rehab. And he said, "When does he finish his rehab?" And he goes, "He's finished his rehab." <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really don't know what to say. I, I think you know there was plenty of positives from yesterday in terms of how we played and. Talked about that, but I, yeah, and that was a shock result from, from Villa. I thought they would have got at least something at, at St James's Park, although a very difficult first fixture. So, um, I'm I just can't I can't see us getting anything, lads. I'm I'm going to say two one Villa. Oh well, back to the negativity. It was you last week, Pete. It was a. Uh... Did what's name filled the podcast with negativity, and I was I was on cloud nine, looking forward to the season starting, and you brought it right back down to earth with a bump, um, and now Lee Lee started as well, um, but I would let, let's be honest, it, get it's, rid of the predictions, pretty, mate. That's the thing. I know, I know but to be fair, though, it's it's a realistic, it's a realistic outlook, really, isn't it? You know, we we can still take things and and go into that game and give a good account of ourselves. And not win it, of course. Uh, you'd hope. I'd, I'd love to get a point there, really. But I think I think a point would be a real, real solid effort. And you know, so, you know, maybe we'll go there and and play the way Fulham played, or not not deserve anything from the game and come away with something. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go for go for a draw as well to to, to be ultra positive. I'm, I'm gonna join you in the one or camp piece. I think that we can certainly get something from the game, provided we get a couple of players back in. This week, so we, we expect, like like uh, Lee said there, Dominic Calvert Lewin now at the end of his rehab, as of the full time whistle yesterday, it seems. Um, so we can come through training this week, get him in, in and around the squad. Obviously, Yusuf Chimiti, full week's worth of training, get him in, in and around the squad. As we said in in the podcast last week, 
he's not the saviour. Not going to come in and start banging goals in and, and be the messiah. He needs he needs time. He needs patience. And we'll we'll obviously we'll afford him that. But it'd be good to get another another fresh face in that squad, in the match day squad in particular. Can we move a couple of players out this week? Can we get one, one or two in this week? Remains to be seen. But I think any new additions, especially in the attacking areas, will be will be massively welcomed. That that's for sure. As long as they improve the squad, that's the that's the important thing. But that's us for today. Us for this week. Um, we'll be back ourselves after the Villa game. Be be unusual for us to record probably quite quickly after the Villa game next next Sunday. But we we will do. Um, to look back on on that game, hopefully look back on it on a positive week in terms of uh, the transfer market for Everton as well. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.